All right, everybody, welcome back to the sixth episode of the Media Buyer's Manual. This time we are with a guest of honor. We got Gil David. Uh, he's joining us from Northern Ireland. Gil, just introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners and uh, we'll get right down into the questions for you. Yeah, so yeah, so like Kevin said, yeah, I'm Gil. I, I, you can probably tell my accent maybe that I'm not from Northern Ireland originally. Uh, I'm actually from London in England, but uh, yeah, I've been living over here for about eight years now. Uh, my wife's here, so that's, that's the main reason. Um, and yeah, I run a Facebook ads consultancy called Run DMG, uh, which I, I think I started that back, back in 2017. Uh, I've been running ads on the platform now for things like six years. Um, and then Run DMG, when I started out, it was more of a kind of general digital marketing consultancy. But now it's, you know, it's really just focused on Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, and we kind of do three different things. So we do uh, obviously media buying for, for clients directly. Uh, we do consulting. And then we also do, we're a, a Facebook marketing partner for tech services. So Facebook actually sends us or people go to Facebook uh, if they need help with things like pixels catalogs um getting things like that set up um and then that comes through to us so that's that's kind of a, a good other side and it's a nice nice variety of business and different things that we're doing every day mm. awesome awesome uh so this is a little bit different episode we actually took some questions from twitter for the first time um we've had some questions come in about starting on lower budgets um this question yes. is from brian gleason he wants to know about starting on accounts with around $50 per day. What's kind of an actionable tip that you can give them? Where should they start? Um, maybe if they have maybe a couple thousand visitors per month going to the website already. Okay. So yes. So it's about, it's about scale. Was it about scaling from 50? Yeah. Going from $50 yeah. and kind of building their way up gradually, I guess. Yeah. So you kind of, you have to be a, I think I always think you have to be a bit aggressive at that kind of level if you do see some success because I don't agree with the fact that, you know, people or Facebook's put out that you need 50 conversions a week per ad set to optimize. Mm-hmm. Um, people, if you've been running ads for a while, you remember probably a couple of years ago, they used to say it was, I think it was 25 or 20. Um, and then they just kind of put it up. Yep. So I, I personally think, you know, as long as you're trying to get at least 20 conversions per ad set per week, you, you can start seeing stability then and, and even at lower levels than that. Um, so we've got one client and there it's a fitness product and the AOV is like $700, something like that. Mm-hmm. So we're not getting, you know, even 20 conversions necessarily per week in every ad set, but it's, you know, the account's still running at a good, good return. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of really, really focusing on creative, uh, not running too many different ads because otherwise you're just diluting your spend and, and each ad is not going to get enough spend fees to be able to judge them properly. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is, yeah, so running to fairly broad audiences, broad interests, um, and working on, you know, start off with maybe three different creatives. Um, so, and testing different images first, because that's what's going to push the needle the most, different images or videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, then once you found an image or video that's at least getting a good click-through rate, it's, it's getting engagement, that, that's kind of the first step. Um, and then if it's, if it's any com, you're looking for add to carts initially at least. Um, and then once you've got an image that you think is working, uh, moving on to copy, refining that headlines. Um, and then in terms of kind of scaling, yeah. So obviously ideally you want purchases if, again, if we're using an e-com example, um, but if you're seeing purchases over and not just over one day, so you can't get too excited just over, you know, we all know Facebook's very up and down. Yeah. Um, so one good day, you know, not getting too excited about that saying, okay, there's some potential here. Uh, the next day, if it's still solid, if you get a couple of purchases through the next day, and then are they looking for about you know three days of, of good performance and then saying, okay, let's try and push more conversions through 
that's helped Facebook kind of learn and optimize better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously if, if you're quite tight on budget, you can't really scale horizontally. Uh, it's going to be more vertically. So just increasing the budget by, by 20 to 30%. Um, again, at that kind of level, you want to do that, give it two days. And if the results are holding, if it's still performing well, if you're happy with that, yeah. um, then bump it another 20 to 30%. You know, and then in that way, you can, you know, you can, even if you're doing it that way, which is kind of slow scaling almost, um, you can still pretty much be doubling the budget within seven to 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you can start working on it. You're getting more data. Uh, you'll understand more about which ads are working best. Um, and then you're just trying to, trying to scale it up that way. So, so it, go our, on, Adam. Sorry, at our, our uh, the agency that we work at, uh, we don't typically work with, um, we don't ever actually work with like low budgets where it's like a $50 a day or even $100 a day. Um, yeah. Every ad account that we work in, we do set up like a top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel uh, sort of setup. So working with lower budgets, would you still go with that top, middle and bottom funnel setup? Uh, no, I think you have to simplify it. And also you don't have the audiences to retarget. And, and a lot of people I see is quite commonly in, in Facebook ad groups and people on Twitter may be saying they're trying to retarget and they're not getting any, any delivery even for the spend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's because really, you know, you need a, I think probably about a thousand plus in an audience for it to deliver much on a conversion objective. Okay. Um, so you can kind of try and get around that by in your retargeting, maybe having it optimized for, for landing page views or something that isn't, you know, optimized for purchase because, you know, you just don't have the audience size for Facebook to, to be able to find, mm-hmm. find delivery with it. Yeah. Uh, but just a yeah, really simple funnel. So uh, um, you're going to want to spend the majority of your budget on cold, cold audiences to get them in the funnel. Um, and then if like, if it's, if it's say it's $50 a day, that's, that's your budget, then starting off maybe with, with five, five to $10 on retargeting, just kind of really broad, uh, you know, 30 day view content and add to yeah. carts. Um, and just starting off there, having, having maybe, maybe three, three different DPAs in the ad set. Um, and then just letting it run, seeing which works best. And then you're probably going to be cutting that down to two maybe for the time being. Um, and yeah, just, just trying different carousels and different collection ads again, if it's e-commerce, assuming that. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So in terms of that method, um, would you kind of consider it as like, uh, ride, riding the kind of wave of Facebook? If you have a good day, you're going to scale it up a little bit. And if you have a bad day, maybe you kind of pull back with it, or is it kind of on the, on the ratio of every couple of days, if it's going well and we're hitting our KPIs, we scale. Yeah, I think in lower budgets, yeah, you can't you can't get kind of too excited. I think it's only in in larger accounts. So um, I don't know if you guys use a, kind of the strict method of surfing if you're yeah. scaling accounts on if you're kind of day trading them. Um, but that definitely works better for me. And you've got more room to do it. You've got more of a buffer to do it if you're in a, a bigger spend account. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I'd actually have a number where I'd kind of do more day trading. I guess probably maybe from about about five hundred dollars a day if you're spending at least that, then you can kind of do that a bit more. Um, but yeah, like I said, when, when you're getting so few conversions through at kind of a budget that's under about hundred dollars a day, it's, it's not realistic to be trying to be that aggressive with it. Um, so I think, you know, you're better off, you know, trying to see some consistency first, um, and then trying to scale rather than, you know, stuff like surfing because the strict method of surfing, you're doubling budgets, you know, sometimes yeah. twice a day, uh, which is obviously very aggressive. Um, and you know, in a smaller account or an account that doesn't have as much history, um, you know, you, you can really mess it up by doing that wrong. Uh, whereas if it's a bigger account, you know, you're spending a few K a day, you know, having one bad day isn't going to mess up the whole account. Whereas in a smaller account, you know, if you have a couple of bad days like that and you've, you spent 
three thousand dollars, mm-hmm. then that's going to mess up your ROAS for the whole month. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very true. Uh, and then we're going to kind of you kind of touched on it a little bit, but Nick Shackelford kind of submitted a uh, question as well. Um, what's kind of your okay. launch structure for new brands and accounts that you work with? Um, and also kind of to add on to that question, what's kind of the first thing that you're looking for when you're uh, going to work with a new client? Is that like creative, um, good landing pages and kind of just I'll let you take it from there, I guess. Yeah, I guess one of the first things I'll ask them is, um, you know, based stuff about the business, like what, what's their AOV? Do they have a, an understanding of LTV? Um, and then the website conversion rate, because there's absolutely no point sending traffic to a website that isn't converting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like absolute minimum, again, you know, we're talking about e-com again, but you want at least at least 1% conversion to have anything to work with. And there's probably quite a big opportunity there to, to improve on that. Um, so, yeah, so it's having a website that converts because, you know, I've had, I've had people come to me that wanted to, to work with, with us in the past. Um, I've looked at the website, looked at their big conversion rate and said, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't want to take your money to run ads because it's just going to be throwing it down the drain until your site is converting better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so ideally you want, want to be converting at least 2% because that, you know, that's, that's where you're sending the traffic. Yeah. Um, and also you can kind of get around that maybe if you can set landing pages up, stuff like that. But really, you know, their website should be converting at a decent clip for you to be, be running ads to it. Um, and then so... <sighs> In terms of like standard setup, it's it'd be slightly different depending on um, you know what what the product is. Um, if it's more of a, a niche product than more of a general product, but like Adam touched on, you know we'd we'd have a, a standard kind of top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's interesting. Some people have a, a different idea of what middle of funnel looks like or what and what a bottom of funnel looks like. So for me, my bottom of funnel is, is strictly um, people who've added to cart or or viewed content in the last 30 days. So I'd have that. Um, I'm starting to use more CBO there, um, but still still ABO a little bit kind of at that stage. Um, and then middle of funnel for me is anything, um, any people who've been on the website outside that period, um, or maybe people that have been on the website and for whatever reason haven't viewed content. Um, obviously video viewers are going to be in there, which is something sometimes people forget. Yeah. Um, and going broad with that as well, because a lot of people default to 75% video viewers, but sometimes, and especially again, you know, if we're, if we're looking at smaller accounts again, you know, you want to start from 25% viewers or maybe even three second viewers just to give you that, that volume in the audience to, yeah. to deliver to. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if it's a smaller brand, you, you're going to want to be showing them your message more. So that, that's something that people forget as well, that um, if it's a big brand, then, it, then it's easy because people will know as soon as they see it, they'll know the brand. They'll be familiar with it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, what you have to do is show people ads. There's different studies have been done on it in the past. And I think people even even say now, it used to be six times someone, they used to say someone had to see an ad for them to have any kind of recognition. Um, and then I saw something a couple of months ago where it, they reckoned it was more now the, the new digital age. It was more like 12 times just because people see so many ads a day. It's true. So bombarded with stuff. So that yeah. it takes longer to get that recognition. Um and then, yeah, so what else would be in the middle of funnel? So, yeah, so in, in, and then engages, obviously, as well. So I was going to um, ask that. Um, what would kind of yep. be your um, day range for that? Would it be 180 days, 30 days for engaging with poster ads? So I'd have like a, like a kind of a dump audience, which is any, anyone outside probably 60 to 90 days. Okay. Um, and then I'll just put them together in one kind of old, old warm audience stack and, and leave them there because... The, to me, they're they're almost cold. Those people, yeah. 
Um, so, because think about, you know, if someone hasn't even um, clicked, clicked to like one of your posts or, or watched a few seconds of a video within yeah. the last two months. You know, no, exactly. Especially when you say yeah. every day we're bombarded by ads 12 times now it takes in the digital age. Like, so from exactly, there for yeah. sure. But, uh, but one audience I love that, that is um, probably my, one of my favorite middle of fund audiences, I call it a, um, a hot engagers audience, which is basically seven, seven day engagers. Um, and, I'll, and at that stage, I will split Facebook and Instagram engagers um, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, again, though, if we're, if we're talking about you know, a bit of a theme today is smaller accounts, then you'd lump them together. But um, yeah, so seven day engagers um, that haven't uh, viewed content or added to cart. So that's maybe people that have, they've seen posts from the page and stuff or, or bit, bit video and things like that, yeah. but they haven't been on the site to actually do anything. So it's just sending them maybe a different type of content, different type of DPAs to get them to the site in the first place. And then, you know, they're, they're getting kicked on down the funnel. Yeah. And let the site um, kind of conversion take care of the rest almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what kind of the middle funnel looks like. And I, and I quite like now putting that in a, in a CBO and then okay. you might have to play about with kind of minimum, minimum spends. If you see certain ad sets that aren't getting much delivery. Um, another thing I like doing is just bonding warm audiences together and putting them in a, an Instagram stories ad set. Um, and then really working on that, just using specific um, creative for stories. It's all kind of nine sixteen, Um And then, and then the thing that I think people overlook with Instagram stories is the branding aspect of it. So again, this is, it's putting a bit of my own experience in it, but there's a lot of brands that obviously I maybe haven't seen ads from them before. I'd never heard of them. And I'll start seeing ads for them in stories. And then, you know, it starts slowly gets in your head. And, and if they're good ads, especially that, that always stands out to me. Like mm-hmm. it probably does for you guys. If you see a good ad, you it's, appreciate yeah. it. Save it, save it, share it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think there's, there's a good branding aspect to stories, but also, you know, you can get good, you know, performance metrics from it um, in itself. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily look for the same kind of ROAS or, or click through rates I'm maybe looking for in the feeds. Okay. Um, but as long as I'm getting something from Instagram stories, then I don't really think it's underrated, especially middle of funnel for, you know, giving you more touch points with people, them seeing your message and your brand a few more times than they would have done otherwise. Um, and also getting to a different section of your audience as well. Um, yeah. Because, you know, certain demographics spend more time in stories than others. I was going to, uh, would you say that females are more likely to kind of be in the <laughs> stories and swiping through that? Cause my girlfriend's every night just kind of swiping through those. She says she has to watch them all. So is, do you see that kind of um, split when you're advertising to stories? I, I would never, never generalize in that way. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to be called sexist, but um, that's for my girlfriend's sure. use case. I guess <laughs> my, my, my wife, I, I tell her she's a nightmare because one of the things she does, which would drive me crazy is um, like, I'll, I'll look at what she's doing or something. She's, she's on a shopping website and I'll see you've got 30, 30 items in your basket. What are you doing? You my credit card again. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, I'm just putting them. So it reminds me for later on. And I'm like, oh, oh. I hate people like you. You're the kind of person that, you know, adds to cart, you know, I get excited. Oh yeah. I had all these ads to carts today. Um, <laughs> yeah. I never convert. The false hopes. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, she's probably one of those people where, you know, if you optimize for ads to carts, you get a load of ads to carts. It hits people like her. Oh, okay. That makes so much sense now. So, so much we've sense. Been, uh, we've been relatively focused on Facebook and I am, I'm, I'm more like, I have more knowledge in Google. So this may be, may be a dumb yeah. question, but would you split uh, the placements into different ad sets? Like have a specific 
Instagram story placement in one ad set and then feed in another or, or then split them like that or just combine them all? So mainly like a few years ago, I would have split stuff out more, but all placements has worked really well for me probably for the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and Facebook's just got a lot clever about where it sends budget. So I know people used to have issues with um, too much budget going to audience network and kind of lower, yeah. lower quality, what I call secondary placements. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, running almost the time as well work better for me but i just see see more potential for for at least some kind of there's not massive scale with stories usually um but there is at least some potential there and you're showing people like i say different creative um in a different kind of way get into different audiences so stories are something that i'd always try spitting out and usually i usually start doing that middle of funnel um and showing it to warm audiences and then you know if stuff seems to be working there then it makes sense to try it to cold audiences as well um and then in testing that's Testing is probably the only other stage when, you know, I, I default to um, editing placements too much um, because then I, I might just be running ads in, in Instagram and Facebook feeds if I'm testing certain kinds of creative. Mm. But yeah, otherwise, Adam, yeah, it's pretty much all placements most of the time now, which um, is something that's changed, but, you know, it shows Facebook, you know, has has improved their the kind of the way the algorithm works. In, in that yeah. Way. yeah, I think we've noticed the same thing with the audience network as well. I hear that it's gotten better than. Uh, yeah, like yeah, like you don't normally get much delivery there, but it's re- like if you actually look at the breakdown, it's normally really profitable. Yeah. Um. So like there was one account I looked there, and we, you know, we'd only spent I think a couple couple of thousand dollars over the month. Uh, but it was like a, a seven eight x something like that. So, you know, yeah. but there's not much you can do with that information though, is there? Because you can't just run ads all audience network. So it's like yeah. okay, that's nice. We'll keep running on all placements, and you know, Facebook's doing its thing. Um. So it's one of those like bits of info, you know there's nothing actionable about it, but you know, it's nice yeah. to see anyway. In terms of running those kind of uh, story ads and the creative, are you, the angle so, uh, would you be going for like educating the user um, in that cold story aspect instead of the middle of the funnel? Because as you said, they have a little bit of a touch point with your brand in the middle, but uh, I just want your thoughts on the cold story aspect. Yeah, sometimes you'll find, um, you know, you might not think, and I, and this is something, again, I don't know if it's the way Facebook's changed the algorithm and machine learning and stuff like that, but I find overthinking kind of journeys sometimes, especially if it's quite a simple product, you know, you're just overcomplicating it really. Um, so what I normally do is if something works middle of funnel in stories, I'll just run it top of funnel. Okay. Uh, and if it works there, great. Um, if not, change it slightly. Um, like for, so, and then for fashion brands, I know people might, they say kind of you might want to show people more more lifestyle focused stuff, top of funnel. Um, and then, you know, you're getting just down to more product focused stuff as, as they're going down the funnel. So that's something that may, maybe I'd bear in mind if, it, if it's a fashion, fashion brand, more lifestyle stuff, top of funnel, okay. and then more product focused bottom of funnel. Okay. And then in terms of um, kind of, you alluded to it earlier, going CBO a little bit more, are you still kind of top of funnel doing a lot of ABO or ad set budgeting? Yeah, and then, you know, it's kind of like Facebook's obviously shelved mandatory CBO now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I had most of our accounts, I think we were trying to move them over to CBO or get them ready at least. Yeah, ours as well. Um, yeah, so I think everyone was doing it. And now you know, some people are all in on CBO and that, that's great. But for me, what I find, I think, and I think it's the same in all our accounts, like a mix of ABO and CBO is, is what's working best. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for testing, I just find it, it ABO is just quicker to get results. Um, yeah. it's, it seems like Steve is a, a bit slower to learn. Um, so like if we're testing new audiences, we might test those in ABO. 
or testing new creatives if we're kind of trying to scale them up and then move them into CBO. Because one of the things I do like about CBO is I think it is more sta- more stable now for scaling. Um, okay. So, you know, if, if you've got stuff that's working, moving it into CBO and then scaling it that way. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still definitely a mix of both in, in I think, I think all our accounts that we're running ads or that we're consulting. Okay. Uh, and then Nick had one more question to uh, his tweet here. Wow. What is, what Nick is your two questions? I guess so. There wasn't many, <laughs> so don't worry. Uh, what is uh, your go-to scaling campaign? Uh, what apart from the Shaq stat? I, I guess so. <laughs> Maybe he's just looking for his shout out on the show, right? So, uh, so there's a few, di- a few different ones. So yeah, so kind of stacks is something that I've run quite a lot in the past. And yeah. I think what's good about the, the Shack stack for anyone listening, the Shack stack is basically, and there's one thing I don't do with it. Um, so it's not, it's not quite the, uh, the authentic Shack stack, but it's basically stacking uh, lookalikes of uh, 30 day add to cart, initiate checkout and purchases in it. Um, and then you'd have five, five ad sets in a CBO so one, the 1% stack, the 2%, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but Nick actually excludes kind of the level below. Um, so like the 5% is excluding the 4% and all that. Oh, okay. Nice. I'll follow that's, that, that's, that's his, his way of doing it. So um, so what I've done, something similar, I do that, but I just don't exclude them. Do you find there's a lot of audience overlap or? I, you know, I, I really don't worry about audience overlap too much unless I see performance being affected. Okay, that's um, fair. And I think, you know, I know Nick works with big budget, so it's possibly more of an issue with him. But I think really, unless you're spending probably close to 10K a day um, and the audiences aren't, aren't that big, then, you know, that, that's where you'd have more of an issue with overlap. Okay. Um, but yeah, but, but that works. So, so stacking lookalikes, yeah, that works. Um, and bid caps, I'm, I'm quite liking it at the moment as well. Um, so, and using what I call like clustering, so yeah. say your say your CPA is twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. So I'll set up a bid cap ad set uh, CBO of uh, pretty broad audiences. So it might be ten percent lookalikes or or maybe even open targeting. Okay. Um, and then the the ad set's going to be identical. Probably three to six ads in each one, the same ads. Um, and then the bid caps just so it might be probably starting at ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars, twenty five dollars. And uh, is that five ad sets? Well, and then thirty dollars maybe. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then just 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 letting that run. Um, you know, they won't all get much delivery. Um, but but that that's worked well for us in I think three or four accounts for for, for a little while now. Um, another thing I know a lot of people are quite hot at the moment is cost cap, which I haven't got to work as well. Um, but I, I am seeing it work, especially with open audiences. Using yeah. Cost. I don't know if you guys are using cost cap much. No, we we're more uh, bid cap currently, and then at times just lowest cost. Um, we've if bid cap's not kind of uh, generating the sales we want, we'll just turn on yeah. lowest cost, and we'll get that volume kind of coming back again. Yeah, and that's the problem I find. Like like lowest cost, obviously, you always get delivery because you know the primary objective for Facebook is to spend the budget. Yeah, um, bid cap, you normally get pretty good delivery, um, and then that, that's the problem I, I always find with cost capping. I don't really use. I, I tested target cost quite a bit last year and didn't, didn't really like it because because you just delivery is so inconsistent. Fair. Um, and clients don't like that either. Like if you're running ads for for an e-com store, and they used to having a certain level of traffic and oh, yeah. sales a day. 
you know, you, know, you can't say to them, oh yeah, but we got a five X yesterday. And they're like, yeah, but you only spent a thousand dollars. Where yeah, the the run rate is kind of down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and cost cap is a is a bit like that as well. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be with you on that. My favourites would be kind of big cap and, and lowest cost. Um, but yeah, you know, you hear so many people saying good things about cost cap that yeah, it's definitely worth giving it a try if you've got the budget for it. Yeah, definitely gonna have to look into that a little bit more myself. But like so far, we found as long uh, just kind of like you have uh, just kind of struggled to spend and kind of yeah. getting there. So uh, yeah. Um, next question though, we're going to, we're going to take this internally. I got myself a little cute card. Um, so <laughs> what's one habit or mistake that you think media buyers would do better on by eradicating? I think there's, there's two extremes maybe. So the one is, um, checking your accounts too much and being too active in them. Okay. And then the other one is the, you know, the extreme opposite of that where <laughs> never uh, looking at people, it, you know, the, the chads that just, <laughs> let a rip fire it up and, and leave it for two weeks oh my god lord help those people and and whoever um, employs them oh man yeah um so yeah but i think it's maybe more common especially for people when they're starting out or if they're running ads for their own brand uh you know obviously they're more more invested in it and yeah they're probably checking it four, four or five maybe even more times a day um so yeah so i always say to people yeah, the maximum you should be checking it is two to three times a day and even some people that I think I was saying someone on Twitter actually that's about half an eye check accounts um, more like more of the bigger ones mm-hmm. so you're always kind of first thing in the morning you want to check your accounts see how they've done the day before yep um, and that's when when you know I me and you know this team I will say you know that's when you should be doing most of your activity because then that's when it's going to have the most impact for the day so if you're launching new creatives exactly if they haven't been scheduled in um, or if you're scaling as well because and that's another way the algorithms changed is it's slower to respond to to budget increases I'm finding anyway. Yeah, same than here. It was, yeah, than it was kind of, I really didn't notice this around Black Friday actually. Um, yeah. So when we were surfing ad sets and like in, in the past it would have gone, gone a bit crazy spending and, that, and that's maybe why Facebook have, have adjusted. And I, think, I think they actually have, I think they said they, they adjusted or Rep told me they'd adjusted it. Um because and people were seeing, and I haven't heard people mind about it now, which is a good thing that they've done, obviously. But seeing spending spikes in CBOs, especially early in the morning. Yes. So, did you like you probably used to get get them occasionally as well? Yeah. Oh, we still do sometimes. <laughs> so, like, we have a, okay. one client where we're right now we're actually running CBO against, or well, CBO against ABO, and we're also running uh, standard against custom events. So, yeah. some mornings, oh my lanta, we're waking up and. And the CBOs just spent like 300 bucks or like around there just because the, the cost was so high from the previous day. But usually on other account or other kind of ad sets and audiences, that's going to be steadily spent throughout the day. Yeah. So it's just like, we found that recently. I'm just like, Oh my God, like I'm just going out <laughs> at night now, just changing everything down again. So rules yeah, that's what... don't believe in them yeah. anymore. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I used to, and I used to see that quite a lot of people complaining about that happening quite regularly last year when, when CBO first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you use, I don't know if you use rules much in your accounts, but but we normally use rules in bit. most of our accounts. And the only thing is that, you know, if, if it blows through spend early in the morning, um, triggers a load of rules, then basically that's that's the day done, which is, you know, I, I don't mind that. Um, you know, if it's a bad day, I, I do think you're better off, you know, cutting spend and saving it for the next day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they've definitely done something with the pacing of, of how CBO spends. So 
you know, you, you said you're you're noticing occasionally, but it definitely doesn't seem as as drastic happening as often as it used to. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's something to bear in mind if you are trying to scale that it's not going to spend as much of the budget as maybe it would have done in the past. Mm. But it's it's like it's going to spend it in a more responsible way, if you like. So it's, it's pretty okay. better. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I guess you can't really complain about that. It's being more uh, responsible no. <laughs> yeah. with your money. So, um, and then in terms of um, kind of some quick questions here, if you were to pick mm-hmm. two out of three things to start a brand with, would you go with an e- engaged email list of five thousand people, unique product market fit, so you got a unique positioning within the marketplace, or amazing creative? What are the two out of the three that you're going to choose? And is it an easy option for you? Good question. Yeah, I suppose it's, the, it's not maybe that, that hard for me, but yeah, I'd go with the second two. So the product market fit, I think that's probably the most important one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the creative, yeah, because I think as we all know, creative is more important now than, than it ever has been. Yeah. And especially with the way that open targeting works, you know, the, the only variable you've really got there is is the creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still a big place for testing different audiences, testing interests, you know, flipping the expanded targeting option on, um, stacking lookalikes apart from that. But yeah, creative is what's going to push the needle more than, more than anything else. So it it would be those two. Yeah. Okay. And then in terms of your creative testing, how often are you doing testing and do you have uh, specific days? Cause we, we prefer not to test on Friday because weekend, maybe people won't be as attentive to it. Um, but at yeah. the same time, uh, what are your kind of preferred days and how often are you testing? Uh, I only test on Mondays and Thursdays. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> right. I've never heard someone be so, so structured Specific, there. Yeah. Um, no, so yeah, I, I probably, I wouldn't launch new tests on a Friday because yeah, I agree. And weekends are quite, quite variable. So mm-hmm. it might just be a, and, and a lot of accounts, you know, weekends either really good or bad. There's, there's not too much in the middle sometimes. Fair. So, yeah. So, so like you, I, I would I would try and avoid launching new testing unless we had to for some reason on a Friday. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, I wouldn't launch it on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, any other day, I, w- I wouldn't mind. I'd be happy launching testing. Um, and then, depending on what kind of creative we've got, I, I tend to use dynamic creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and choosing either. Um, either the actual creative itself or the copy to test. So creative, you get 10, 10 different images or videos you can put in. Um, yeah. So we're just running one headline, one ad copy version, um, you know, all those variables, there's, there's only one. Um, and then just the 10 different images or, or videos. And then, then you know exactly what's, what's pushing the needle there. The problem you get with that, you know, like, like you've seen if, if you run dynamic creative is, that Facebook, you know, there's probably some versions of it that Facebook only send a couple of dollars to over a week, yeah. which is annoying. But then it, then it just means you kind of have to have to dupe it, take the ones that it's been sending the budget to out, and making sure that each one gets gets a good test. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other way, so is if you're if you're testing copy, um, just running one or, or maybe two images or videos just to give a bit of variety there, yep. and then running the full five variants that you get for for copy. Um, or if you're testing headlines, you know, you could t- some people test headlines, you go down to that kind of level. So five different headlines that you can run as well. Awesome. Uh, um, okay. And then, yeah. So, and then I think, I think you said how, how often was I testing it? So yes. I always try and try and be testing at least something new uh, pretty much all the time in, in accounts. Just so there's always, you know, it makes me, I can sleep better at night knowing that there's, <laughs> you know, if, if all the top of funnel ads go to crap, then there's something, you know, that we've tested that 
you know, has some kind of potential to, to put it into to the live ad set. Proactively making yourself uh, a little bit easier and going to sleep. Definitely. <laughs> and like, and, and just being a Liverpool fan as well helps, helps me sleep better as well. Oh God, you had to bring that in with two minutes left. Yeah, eh? yeah, I've, got, yeah just, I've got a question for you actually, Kevin. So how, how, why Everton? A nice so, young man like you in Canada. How, how does it happen to you? So my grandpa is actually a Liverpool fan. Um, and when oh. we never, whenever we'd watch it on TV down here, me being the sarcastic asshole that I am, I chose <laughs> to go the antichrist essentially. Um, okay. And from there I started watching a little bit more and then I got introduced. Uh, this is when Landon Donovan actually came on for this first loan. All right, yeah. So I was like, Oh shit, there's an American. And then I realized, Oh, <laughs> Tim Howard's there. What am I doing? And then there's a bunch of Americans and kind of North America was like represented. And I also liked the underdog mindset. Like that's just, I just like that. I like scrapping for things. I'm never going to be a glory hunter whatsoever. Um, So I just said, fuck it. Let's go with Everton. And it's, it's starting to trend up. It's, it was hard first eight years, but like now we're actually got something. I don't know. We have a manager of some sorts and a little bit of cash. Yep. Again, like one of my best friends is an Everton fan as well, um, and he's uh, he he used to be a season ticket holder as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, you know we get on well. You know we have, have good good banter about it. So oh, exactly. it's all friendly. I have it could be one worse. of my could best be, could friends. Be a Man United fan. Oh, so I have one one of my best friends is a Liverpool fan. Another is a is somehow a City fan. Plastic. Okay. Is he quite new to? Is he quite new to? Yeah, he is. FIFA was his uh, introduction, unfortunately. Okay. But yeah, so that that's where we're at. We're at Everton right here. Um, I have a banner actually over there, one of the scarves. Gonna make it over to Goodison eventually. I got a banner up there, England, the Yorkshire flag. That's where my dad. My dad's actually from England. Oh, Um, cool. And then uh, Everton little scarf over there. I can't pin that thing on the wall. I don't and want to hurt it, you know? And your walls are blue as well. Oh, exactly. And I just had to go with it. And then the microphone's blue. We're going. <laughs> Dive deep. Go All right, it. we got one question to finish it off with. Right. If you had to get rid of one social media platform to stop advertising on, what would it be? Uh, just ads or organic as well? Uh, both. Uh, I mean, if it, if it was just ads, then I'd say Twitter because I think ads on oh. Twitter are pretty rubbish. Yeah, like, agreed. People always say to me, "Oh, do you think it's worth trying trying Twitter? You know, diversifying all that?" No, <laughs> no, yeah, we've never had success there. We've spent probably like five to ten thousand there, and like the link clicks were like, "Oh my god, it's so cheap!" But then yeah. the traffic was there for also a whopping one second. So, wow, yeah, it wasn't so, doing yeah. too hot. Uh, but obviously, you know, organically, I love Twitter. You know, that's how we we met and connected, yeah. and loads of other great marketers that I know, and you know, I'm privileged to call them friends. Um, so yeah, so in terms of ads, Twitter uh, as a general platform, I guess I'll, oh, I know, I know what I'll, I'll tell you, it might be controversial. TikTok. Oh yeah, I honestly I can't stand some of the videos. It's so annoying. Right. And I'm like closer, I would say, to the demographic. I look like I'm 12. Um, but at the same time, uh, I can't stand it. Uh, you know, when it first came out, there was kind of a novelty, but now I've seen so many like videos of teenage girls dancing or dancing with their dads. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, I don't know how people even find it entertaining anymore. And there are some, some really funny ones, really clever ones. And, and that's cool. Yeah. I, I like that about it. 
but yeah, just too many dancing videos to the same three songs, it seems. <laughs> no, I so feel like maybe that's, Adam, that's me being old, but, but hey, don't worry, I'm with you on that one. Adam, do you have a, a preference for what you would drop? <laughs> I've never seen Twitter work well, and the other one where we get torn apart on is Reddit. Oh, Reddit yeah, is, oh, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. It's such a hit or miss of whether or not the audience reaction is going to be good. That's fair. But you can get good results on it. I've heard, I haven't run ads on it myself, but I've, I've heard you can get good results from it if, yep. if you get it right, obviously. Exactly. Really good results. You just have to be very careful about speaking the language of whatever subreddit you're in. Fair. Don't yep. look like an ad. Don't be trying to sell them and it hopefully will work. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you're like doing a classic, even like if you're just trying to put a Facebook ad on Reddit, you'll get torn apart by the people there, um, especially in like the any sort of like financial world. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Gil, do you have anything you want to uh, kind of ruthlessly promote? Oh. Oh. Did we, did we lose Kevin? Awesome. Last minute. <laughs> He's just frozen on my screen. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I guess I, mean, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's going to continue recording. It might be his internet that went out. You guys hear me? Oh, there you go. Yeah, we back now, we yeah. kept recording. We're, we're, we're diligent on this side here, fellas. <laughs> Gil, do you have anything you want to ruthlessly promote? Uh, no, I'm not really. But no, if, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, at Gil, G-I-L underscore run DMG, or, or Instagram, quite active on both of those stories and stuff, at go run DMG. Um, yeah, and just hit, you know, I'm always happy to help people if you want to send me a DM, if you want a quick bit of advice or anything like that, just just follow me and hit me up. Awesome! Thank you so much for coming on the Media Buyers Manual, and uh, it was great meeting you, uh, or e meeting you, I guess. Uh, and we're gonna have this rivalry of Liverpool versus Everton whenever the uh, Premier League sparks back up. I think we're, we're due a derby soon, aren't we? Yes, we are, and hopefully um, our goalie will do a little bit better. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right, take care. It's me, guys. Thanks for having me.